Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, I think we've been spoiled a bit because the Tampa Bay Lightning season usually ends in the Stanley Cup. In two out of the last three years, that's been with it lifting them over their heads. But not the case this year as they uh, lose to Toronto in the first round. And to talk about that in the season and what we learned in the postmortem, uh, Ed Encina joins us now. Eduardo, I, I got to start with just with, with the series itself, actually. And, and strange because, you know, there's always sort of a razor-thin margin with some of these, especially if they go seven games, right? Um, but if, if I were to have said they're going to lose three games at home, but no, they're going to lose three games at home in overtime – that just has to not sit well with them. What do they think happened um, to where, even though they, they outplayed Toronto for much of the series, they didn't get the result? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, they know, obviously, you know, they, they have a unique perspective because they know what it takes, right? They know what it takes mm-hmm. to get there. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think you, would, you could ask everyone in that room or most guys in that room and they would tell you that they actually played better against Toronto in this series than they did in the last series, which they won in seven games. So um, I think when you look at that, you know, they understand that um, because I think there was kind of a narrative there that there's like, you know, does this make you kind of uh, appreciate more how tough it is, you know? Right. And some guys bought into that. Some guys didn't because I think, you know, there is a little Hmm. bit of, of luck that comes to it too. The puck luck as guys, as you know, guys on the sports say is that, you know, even down to the last, you know, goal there, the, you know, it hits off a skate and goes off in. Off a skate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, you, you've got so many things that kind of have to go your way. And I think mm-hmm. until they don't go your way, that's when you kind of notice them. And, mm. you know, I, I think that, that's, that was a big thing in this series because, you know, yeah, I mean, man, like, I, I think the two things that stood out to me was with those overtime games are just kind of how, how much they dominated them in, you know, for most of you know, the game and especially in five on five. And, um, you know, I think you could take, you know, a couple minutes out of game three and, a, you know, what was it? Maybe eight minutes out of game four. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could say that, you know, the lightning were the better team. Like you could put down all the tape and the lightning would be the better team there. And obviously, you know, I think you got to give Toronto a little bit of credit here. I mean, to, to, I think when you look back on last year, they were a good team. I think they got better. You know, they added some, uh, you know, I think they had a lot of, you know, Get good key parts, whether it was Luke Shen, whether it was Ryan O'Reilly, like some big pieces there that they paid for, you know, and um, and had to fit under the cap somehow, too. So uh, and so they got better. You know, did the Lightning get better? Um, you know, def- definitely didn't have this, the same kind of names as, as the Leafs did. But I think you got to give them credit. I mean, like at the end of the day, um, you know, you've also got some. Austin Matthews and Mitch Martyr had an incredible series, you know, and I think, and I think when you can compare the stars that that's might be where it stands out the most on the side of the, of the Leafs is their stars perform and the lightnings, you know, really didn't, mm. you know, outside of Steven Samkos with a couple goals, like the big three did not have a goal in five on five. Um, so, you know, Braden point and Nikita Kucherov, they scored a power couple, you know, they teamed up for a couple power play goals, but 
outside of that, you know, when he when it comes down to the postseason, you talk about depth as much as you want. You talk about goaltending as much as you want, which are both huge parts of it. But at the end of the day, your stars have to be your stars. And I think, you know, the Leafs kind of learned that a little bit. They also learned how to play defense. And you got a goaltender back there that uh, played really well. And when you get that, you know, things tend to work out for you. The puck luck kind of seems to work out for you. Yeah, they played better in the bigger moments for sure. And one of those players you just mentioned, uh, and and I think now, you know, it's always interesting to me when the season ends, you find out just how beat up these guys really are. Um, and I don't know what would have happened had they gone beyond Toronto and maybe then some. Um, but we saw that hit that Morgan Riley had on Braden Point, and a lot of people thought that it was boarding. A lot of people thought it was a dirty play. Um, Braden Point, who... Uh, you know, acknowledge that he was injured. He damaged some cartilage to his ribs. Which cannot that this sounds awful, right? I've right. never had that injury. I can't imagine. Um, but he he seems to think that that it was not a dirty play. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think you know you're going to find most guys say stuff like that. You know, after they look back on it, I mean those mm-hmm. those kind of plays, especially ones he, the way that he said he was like, and I was going for the puck. You know, uh, it's just one of those situations where you kind of you know get caught in a in a, in a weird spot and. You know, the impact of it is, you know, unfortunate, but, you know, that the Riley really didn't do anything to, you know, to viciously try to hurt him in any way. And, you know, obviously, I think the reaction that, that we saw was obviously two guys in Stamkos and Kucherov who aren't ones to jump into fights immediately jump in. And I think that's just a natural reaction. And one thing that this team's done well is, you know, they stand up for themselves. And I think that's a you know, an un, you know, kind of untapped quality of championship teams, you know, they, they're, they're that tight that they, you know, they defend themselves, you know, off the ice and on the ice. And I think you know, yeah. that's kind of a key component to the lightning, like as, as they've been. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, even though they lose some key pieces that they're still, you know, a championship contender, but, um, but yeah, Braden, you know, I, I'll tell you that there's two things that stood out about that hit. One was the sound of the impact. Um, in the arena which was just you know amazing and then you never i mean it's scary when you see a guy pop up like he did and then just immediately go back down to the ice like clutching his you know his chest area and you know and and that was just you know probably one of the more scary situations i've seen you know on the ice and um Mm -hmm. that and the evander kane you know injury to his wrist this year earlier in the year but i mean when when you see that that that's pretty scary and then to see Braden come back from it was even more amazing. You know, I mean, he was talking about how uh, today, how he, you know, we went into, you know, the, the room and got, eva- you know, the concussion room, you know, got evaluated, everything like that. And, you know, there was a 20 minute stretch there and, you know, he's back. So um, kind of goes to show, you know, I don't think there's anyone who questions Braden Point's toughness. You know, he's not the biggest guy. He's obviously a very skilled skater and, 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 and with the puck, but, you know, don't confuse him for, you know, not a tough guy because he's smaller, because I think, most guys would tell you that he's one of the toughest guys in that room. And I think he shows it every night. And he obviously showed it that night. You know, like I said, I don't think after seeing him go off the ice, I don't think anyone would have predicted that he would come back, you know, 20 minutes later, let alone, you know, by the end of that game. Yeah, no, he uh, gutted it out literally and figuratively. He somehow willed himself back on the ice. And uh, and again, it had to have impacted the way he was able to play uh, the rest of the series. The biggest story I think out of this on, on, uh, you know, on Tuesday, uh, Eduardo was the talk you had with Andre Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. and listen, generally regarded by everyone in the NHL. If you have to win a game, he's the guy they want in net. We've seen the you know the success he's had in the postseason, which is now 
approaching historic levels when and when you look at the best goaltenders in the game. But three seasons going all the way to the Stanley Cup and playing every single game, how much uh, uh, has this had an impact on him just from a cumulative standpoint? He said that after about game 35, right. which is not extremely long through the season, more right. less than halfway, the injury started to to take him down and and he felt like he had a tough time recovering and and being you know being himself down the stretch right and and, and first off like Vasi doesn't talk much so to hear him say this is one thing and yeah I've, I've been lucky enough to talk to him probably more than most people because he's right. just right. not a guy who talks very much but to hear him say it says something but you know one, one thing you got to know about Vasi is that he doesn't he's so hard on himself first off like he mm-hmm. has a bar that's that's higher than probably that's realistic sometimes so and when he says stuff like that, you kind of got to take a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek. And so he's a guy, too, that he's been asked a lot about the wear and tear of how many games he's played. And right. he obviously he played 71, you know, games in the postseason going into this postseason. You know, no other, you know, goaltender has, has played as many games as he has the past three years. And he's whenever he's asked about that. He never he makes sure that it's never an excuse, you know. So right. we, we, we keep that in mind when you think about this too, because you know, for him to say, yeah, like after game thirty five, I just wasn't feeling the same. Like that says a lot, and and you know, I think it says a lot about his maturity, because I think right. that you know he's a guy who just his natural instinct is to push, push, push. You know, like he he didn't get as good, he didn't become as good as he is by just being you know, being settling for however good he is, you know, right. it, it, that's a part of the way he is. And I think him recognizing, and I've written a couple of stories about this over the course of the season is he has started to slowly recognize the value of rest and recovery. And I think that's important for a goaltender, especially as they reach the age that he's, he's reached, you know, he's going to be 29 years old, you know, at the start of next year. So, you know, that's most goaltenders have to kind of reinvent themselves before they reach that age. And Vashi has been good enough to get by or to be elite, continue to be elite despite of that. And I think that when you hear him say that, and especially knowing that he's a guy who doesn't reveal much, that it says something about, you know, his, his openness to actually, you know, embrace kind of a new perspective on how he's going to be, continue to be great. And, you know, he didn't delve too much into like the plans of like the, the recovery and how he plans to do it and, and stuff like that. But I think that j- just from hearing from him that, uh, you know, that th- this, that he acknowledges that, you know, he didn't feel well, that, you know, there, there was these nagging injuries that really kind of bothered him and he really didn't take the, the time to, to recover from them. And just the day-to-day recovery that, you know, most players, I mean, you could tech, you can, you can talk to Steven Samkos and Victor Hedman because they've been in this league for, you know, 14, 15 years about, you know, nagging injuries that guys play through. Right. But right. I don't think Vasilevsky, I think Vasilevsky's played through nagging injuries, but he's never even he doesn't even look at it as a thing that to, as an obstacle. You know, he just has pushed and pushed and pushed. So I actually think that I think the way I wrote my story today was kind of, you know, if there's any if there could be any good thing that comes out of the lightning, you know, ending this lightning season, ending this early. It's that, you know, Andre Vasilevsky kind of had this, you know, introspective moment that that he yeah. has to maybe, you know, pull back a little bit. You know, and, you know, it's not always forward, forward, forward. And um, so, like I said, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think we we're all surprised to hear him say that because, like I said, he's he's not that. He's always a guy who's like, you know, let's not talk about 
about all the hockey we've played. Like that would be an excuse. Like let's not, you know, it, it's a privilege to be able to play, you know, that many games and play deep into the season. That's that's the line that he's used for the past three years, and I think he means right. it. And so to hear him say something like this, it's like you know, I just just didn't feel it this year, and I'm gonna have to figure out how to get back and how to you know almost reinvent myself and use my use rest and use. Um, cause I, you know, that, that's been a talking point amongst the coaches and amongst the organization for years, because not only is he the number one reason that, that the lightning have a chance at being a consistent, you know, Stanley cup contender, but like you've invested, like he is their franchise really right now, you know, like in a lot of ways, you know, you have tons of stars on this team that you pay a lot of money, but it really, you know, there's no doubt that 88 is the backbone of it. And, you know, he's the guy that you've got to protect. He's the guy that you've got to ensure that you know you know to in, invest in and you know have an insurance policy on basically and i think you know hearing that from vassy is, is is a big step because i think over the past couple of years the coaches probably won't tell you this but they've been concerned about his about his health and the wear and everything like that there's no doubt about it but um sure. but to hear him say that i think is is really honestly a big step forward he said, I'm pretty positive that this will be a great experience for me. I'll be smarter yeah. next season about it, and I now I know what I have to change during the offseason, during the season, just to stay more fresh. I'm guessing, in the, you, you, Ed, in the story that you wrote, you, you note that you know the goals against average and, and the record and everything wasn't that dramatically different um, you know, after the 35 starts in which he said he started to feel it. And that's, I guess, a testament um, to him. Um Will the coaches also be more – I mean, do they let Veslevsky kind of determine – he would play every day. We know that. Right. Um, and he's done that for three years deep and in, in all the way to the Stanley Cup final. But will they Will they be more mindful of, of, of making sure that he does – in other words, do they have to sit on him a little bit because this is not – this is not natural for him, but I think it is the natural progression of his goaltender's age, right? Sure. I mean, you know, not that he's an old guy, but he's played right. an awful lot of hockey. Right, for sure. And I think a couple other factors just, you know, that kind of come to mind right away when we talk about this is one is that, you know, it took this team a, a, a lot, a little bit longer to clinch a playoff spot. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what's most important, yeah. right? And so when he's looking at the push that he's got to do and to get points mm. and to win games and to ensure that number three spot, you know, like mm. he's thinking of that. That's what he's thinking of, you know. And right. also, too, right. like not to put this on him, but like, the second half, Brian Elliott's really struggled. And, yeah. you know, yeah. the first half of the season, he was a really good goaltender. He probably didn't deserve some of the lines that he had. But towards the second half of the season, you could see that he kind of wore down. And he's 38 years old. Don't know whether he's going to be back. But, you know, I, I, I could see, I like, just trying to get into Vassie's head. I mean, both of those things probably weigh on you. They're like, kind of like, Factors, like, yeah. like, we need those points, man. And whether it's a back to back or whether it's, you know, puts more pressure on me if he's not getting, you know, the two points one night and then I'm going out there the next night or, or whatever. But, you know, but you know, talking to Franz John, the goaltending coach, you know, I think in mid season was probably right around that, that 30 to 35 point, you know, part of the season. He had mentioned that, you know, Vasilevsky had come to him and said, listen, like, we, we've I, I've got to figure out a little bit like to, to how to amend my routine that involves a little bit more recovery, you know, and it's not, you know, his, his, and his routine is one, like if you, if you ever cover games there, Rick, it's funny because you almost, when you're going through the halls before the game, you almost bump into Vasilevsky because <laughs> he'll be somewhere in a hall on his own doing stretching on a yoga mat somewhere doing something like, 
I remember a couple of weeks ago, I got stuck in, in, you know how these arenas are and like you, you'll get stuck in some concourse, some, you know, some hallway in the, in the event level somewhere. And I think it was in Carolina. And I, I literally apologized to him twice because I stepped over him twice thinking I was going <laughs> on a hallway to, to the elevator. And I, I was just like walking towards a dead, dead end. So, you know, I walked over him once and I walked over again. He kind of gave me a glare and I was like, dude, I'm sorry. But like, but he's a guy who takes his routine so seriously. And I think now this year has been almost like, you know, you mentioned the coaches is like, I think they've kind of had to, you know, show him, listen, this, this is something that, that needs to be a part of your routine and, and a valuable part of your team in terms of the recovery and the rest. So um, I think this has almost been a season long effort, you know, in some ways and for yeah. him to buy in. But I mean, at the end of the day, like it was funny because I think I, right when they clinched in, I think in Long Island, I think it was April 5th or something, or, you know, I forget what day, April 1st or something like that. You know, I asked John Cooper, I was like, so how, how much is Vasilevsky going to play down the stretch? And he's like, he's going to play, he's got to play. Right. And then right. I think he didn't play the last three out of four games. And I kind of asked him about that going into the playoffs. And he said, you know, it wasn't as important to me to get in games as it was for me to get strong. And so he right. felt, I think he felt the grind too of some of these long cup runs and mm -hmm. he wanted to be stronger. And so he spent the time instead of on the ice in the weight room. The weight room. So yeah. th this has been, this has been kind of like him experimenting with, with some of this stuff too. So he thought that would make mm -hmm. him better. And, Obviously, when you look at Vasilevsky, you know, if this game had gone, if this series had gone to seven games or if this team had gone to, to you know, two, three series in, I think we could still have expected the same kind of things from Vasilevsky, which is that he gets better as the postseason, you know, progresses. Right. And as the games right. get more important, he gets better. I think you can expect that still from him. But, you know, even hearing him say, like, I need to get in the weight room more because I need to get stronger. Like, it was more, it was more important for me to, to, be in the weight room than it was for me to see pucks and to hear a goaltender say that is interesting too, because goaltenders love to see pucks, you know, like that's how they right. feel confident in themselves. But so it, like I said, it, it's, it's interesting because I do think this year more than anything, Andre Vasilevsky has been like much more receptive to understanding that he's got to get, he's got to get to this point a different way, maybe, you know? And so mm. when, when you comes to the rest, the recovery, you know, maybe less time on the ice, stuff like that. I think we've seen that all throughout the season, but he's still the same guy who's going to put in like all this effort and everything like that. And that's what, you know, the guys see it. Like, and that's what makes him, you know, the most, you know, the most valuable guy in that room and the guy that everyone looks to, you know, um, no doubt. Like there's so many times early in the season when he, he saved them, you know, like when there were, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, odd man rushes and bad turnovers and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, that's, that happens almost every year, you know, for, you know, past two, three years, even in the cup years, you know, there's been stretches where, you know, he puts a team on his back. So, um, but yeah, I, I think this year was an interesting one because I think you're really kind of starting to see him, you know, kind of reevaluate how he's got to get there. We'll continue our conversation with Eduardo here just in a second. But first I'll remind you guys how to save money on an electric bill. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems now for 13 years. There's a lot of these companies out there, but I'm telling you, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. How long? Well, they guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That's what they call the May difference. If you visit the Hudson Showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install, and they will customize that 
to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, which is important. All those guys doing those solar panels up there on the roof, those are Billy Mays guys, and you know who's doing the job. Start saving right now, today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, and preserve the quality of those appliances. It's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And I think for all of these players, but mostly for him perhaps, the full off season. I know they went out, they didn't want to go yeah. out the first round of the playoffs. But nobody will benefit more from actual rest uh, than Andre Vasilevsky just because of all the all the games that he has played and the wear and tear on his body. He can build his body back up now. And, and not be worrying about you know just trying to, to stave off injuries. Um, they're going to have a lot of decisions, as they do every year. Julian Breezebaugh has his work cut out for him again. Um, we've seen them year after year after year lose players like Andre Palat and, and Blake Coleman and Barkley Guru and all those guys. Listen, uh, the list starts with my daughter's favorite player because her name is Alexandra Alex, and she loves <laughs> Alex Kalorn. And I don't know how to tell her, and nor do I want to, that even though he's 33 years old, he's coming off, Eduardo, 27 goals. I mean, that's a career yeah. high for the guy in 64 points. It's not like he's washed up by a little bit. Um, and yet he could go out because of this year and probably demand a really good contract like some of those other guys have. What did Alex Kalorn say about uh, this offseason, about what he's thinking? Because it has to be on his mind heavily, and the Lightnings as well, that you know they've parted with players like this before. Where does right. he stand with this team? Well, first off, Alex Killorn loves being in Tampa. Like he is a Tampa man now. You know, like he may be from <laughs> Montreal, is. but but you know, it's funny when you when you see him do interviews with the French Canadian media, he he responds in English. He doesn't respond in, in French. Really? Uh, he is a he is a yeah. He is a Tampa man. Like, and um, I mean, he's 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 from Montreal, but he's actually spent most of his you know life actually in the states. You know, whether it was a school or it's Harvard true. or you know whatever the AHL yeah. whatever, but um. But it's it's funny to see because they always the, the when when you when during the playoffs and you have all the French the, the French Canadian uh, national we'll speak uh, French outlets, to them, yeah. they, they always want to talk to Kalorn because he's from Montreal. But uh, you know he, <laughs> it's it's funny because he always answers in in English. But um, <laughs> but but anyway, like he like you said, he he loves to be there. He I mean, he, he he loves Tampa. He wants to be in this organization. I mean. I think he really wears it as a badge of honor, and it's, it's a running joke in the organization that he's the the longest tenured guy in the organization. You know, obviously, you know Steven Stamkos was the number one pick in two thousand eight, but but Kalorn was was drafted by the Lightning in two thousand seven, so he is technically the uh, the longest tenured Lightning player. So um, he wears that as a badge of honor. It's kind of a running joke in the room, but like you know, he but at the at the end of the day, you know, like. And I think I think Breezeball said this, or, or Cooper said this, is that you know what Alice Kalorn does, and some of it goes unnoticed, much like Andre Palat's contributions right. over the years. Like there's not one team out there that would not want a guy like him, even at 33. You know, oh, just sure. from everything he does, and whether it's you know the offensive contributions, you mentioned the 27 goals. Like he's almost gotten better with age when it comes to his offense. You know. I think 25 goals in three of the last five years. And before then he had never scored, I think more than 20. Um, and the stuff that he does on special teams, you know, camping in front of the net on the power play, uh, playing right. behind the goal, uh, the stuff he does on the penalty kill. And, and really, I think one thing that's really going to be, I mean, we saw how great of a line him with Anthony Sorelli and Brandon Hagel became. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
I loved seeing that line play. I mean, like there's like, and, and, and that line was born really for the, for really, when you look at the origin of that line, that line was born when the lightning were down 2-0 in the Eastern conference finals to the Rangers last year. And they put those three guys together and they experimented with them at some points over the course of the season and they put them together. And then the, the lightning just kind of took a, took a, another step forward, you know, and obviously won four, four straight games against the, the Rangers and then went to the Stanley cup final. But you know, that line is really such an important line for them. And I don't know how you really replace Alex Kalorn within that, you know, because he right. is as good as Sorelli and Hagel are. And I'll be honest with you, those are two of my favorite players on this team to watch, but Alex Kalorn is kind of the, 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 the guy that does all the dirty work, you know, for those guys, you know, you look at the goals that, you know, the, the chances that could that Hagel and, and, and uh, Sorelli create a lot of them are created by Alex Kalorn digging a puck out or making a pass from yep. his own end or something like that. So uh, he is so important to everything that they do. And again, like it, you know, not, not, not to disappoint your daughter, but you know, <laughs> the, the, it, it just, it just, it seems so much like the Palat situation, you know, like a yeah. lifelong light, lifelong bolt, you know, came up through the system, uh, doesn't know anything else, but, but wearing a, you know, a bolt on his chest and right. they just aren't going to be able to keep them. They're just not going to, I mean, like, and the thing is, oh. like, it, it, it's, it's the, it's the price. It's more than the price of being successful. It's the price of like these guys growing, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. like Andre Palat is like, I mean, you see what he's doing now, you know? And yeah, there's, and the thing is like the plot situation is probably a perfect situation. Is it, you know, yeah, these guys may be 32, 33 years old, but there's a team like the New Jersey devils out there much mm-hmm. like last off season. That's young and talented. And all they need is a veteran influence that knows how to win yep. and he can help them get there. And that's what Andre Palat's been. Andre Palat didn't have a great year. He got hurt a little bit in New Jersey. When I talked to him in New Jersey, when they played out there, you could tell that he was a true leader of that team and that, you know, they've got so many young, talented guys on, on that New Jersey team and they look to him. And it's funny because Andre wasn't one of those guys here. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. a like, because, because there were so many already inherent leaders in the room, but there he's grown into that because they look at, I mean, he steps in in day one and they look at him and it's like, dude, that guy won two cups. You know, yeah, that guy scored that, that, that guy scored, scored, what is it, 10, 11 game winning goals in the postseason or whatever it was. Yeah, you know what I mean? Crazy. Like, like that guy is a winner. You know, I want to yeah. be around that guy. I want to hear everything that yeah. guy has to say. I want to glean everything I can from that guy. And so even if Alex Kaloran wasn't coming off of career year statistically, there's going to mm. be interest in him and people are going to pay him for that. You know what I mean? For that yeah. intangible quality. And it, it's the price of winning. It's the price of being a winner. And I think those are two different things, right? So, yeah. but, but Alex Kalorn is going to get that, we'll get that same treatment. There will be some team out there that just looks around. They're like, who's a winner that we can get? Who's a guy that we can get to? Maybe we'll pay a little bit to, but it's going to add that intangible into our room that we need. And yeah. it, the New Jersey situation with Plot is a perfect example because, man, that, that team is scary because <laughs> they are so fast. And and so talented, and I wouldn't be surprised if that team does all, goes really deep in the playoffs. And it's because they had that forethought that you know Tom Fitzgerald, the GM there, had the forethought to think we need a guy like Andre Pilat in our room. Um, he doesn't need to score twenty goals. He doesn't need to score thirty goals. 
he needs to be just be that guy and that's um right you know, that's what he's been and that's when you when you think about the, the Kaloran situation it kind of just it, it just kind of smells like the same thing so yeah, um, that, that's you know. currency i mean he's going to cash in on that if he chooses to he'd have to give them one hell of a discount not to maybe that'll sure. factor in I, I doubt it but um in any case he put himself in that position so ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, there's other players on this team, a lot older. Um, yeah. I don't know the futures of Corey Perry or Pierre Edward Edward uh, Belmar, but it looks like even at 38, both of them want to continue their careers, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, that was kind of the you know when we were asking for players to talk to, we definitely wanted to make sure we we, we heard from both of those guys because um, they've been important guys in this room the past you know couple of years, you know for sure. Um, and 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 both of them, you know, at 38, still want to play. Um, both of them have added a lot to this this team, this organization. It's just a question of whether the lightning want to go in a different direction, really, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously they get older elsewhere. So, you know, they've done a really good job when you look at the roster of investing in, you know, they have that veteran core, you know, Stamkos, Hedman, you know, they've got kind of a a little bit of a younger group of Vasilevsky, Kucherov, and then you go into like the points, the Sorelli's, uh, Sergachev, Chernak, those guys. So all those guys are signed, you know, like they're, they're going to be around for a while, you know, but I'm sure we'll talk about Stamkos in a little bit. He's probably maybe a little bit of the exception to the rule, but, um, but so, so you've got all those guys, but you know, then you've, it's interesting. I was talking to, uh, to John Romano about this. And he kind of touched on it in his column is, you know, some of those guys you get, you were able to bring here a couple of years ago because, they looked on the writing on the wall and, and looked at the team that the lightning had. And they were like, that's how I win a cup, you know, Absolutely. And neither one of them did, but those guys took kind of, you know, hometown discounts. You know, like Corey Perry mm-hmm. only made a million dollars. Pierre Edouard Belmar only made a million dollars. You know, the league minimum is 750,000, you know, so they, right. they took cheap deals to come here for the opportunity to win, to win. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, let's say they don't bring those guys back. Like, how do you, get other players to come here when you're hamstrung by the cap and can't play pay guys that much, you know, like are, right. is the perception of the lightning a little bit different going into this off season because they haven't gone to the Stanley cup final, you know, like now the, right. the, the, the argument would be, they still have the same core. As long as you have 88, as long as you have, you know, the guys mm-hmm. that you've invested in, they're going to be there. But the, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, this is what John Romano touched on in his comments. Like they definitely look a little less scary now than they did you know, this time last year, you know, because, you know, and, and a big part of it is goes to the credit of the other teams, you know, they've, they've, you know, narrowed the gap and, you know, now the lightning know that, you know, you can be a really good team and still be looking, you know, looking from the outside in, you know, then all it takes is, you know, some of the best matchups are, you know, these first round matchups as, as we've seen this playoffs, you know, like there's a lot right. of really, really good teams that could have competed for cups that, you know, or sitting at home after the first round. So, but both of those guys, they want to come back. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see what direction they go. Um, you know, Corey Perry's a really interesting one because obviously he's not the player he used to be. 
but he still adds a lot to that room. Like, I think uh, it was really, really interesting to hear what, what guys said down the stretch with him concerning him, because he was one of these guys that, you know, doesn't say much, but he is definitely a leader in that room. And so, you know, whether, you know, they want to give some younger guys a shot and, you know, maybe bring him in as like a 13th forward or something like that and pay him. I don't know how much less you can pay him than a million dollars for a veteran guy. <laughs> right. but like, you know, I yeah. think that's, you know, but like I said, both of those guys are still hungry. You know I mean? Belmar said, you know, I, you know, I, I can't quit yet. I haven't won a cup yet. And um, so, I mean, you could tell that's that's really a main reason why they came here. And I think both of those guys do want to stay here for sure um, and be a part of something because they've been a part of something. And, you know, the Lightning have such an interesting room because a lot of the guys are veteran guys and a lot of them have families. A lot of them have young kids, you know, you know, Griffin Perry is, is, is Corey's four-year-old son who's, you know, created all these friendships with, you know, all the other, all the other players' sons who are all around the same age, you know, four to eight kind of, you know, so they they really do kind of become a family. So, I mean, I asked Corey today is like, you know, what's it been like being in that room? And like, he kind of got a little, little misty eyed there, you know, Mm. and I think, and and, and Corey's probably a little bit more emotional guy than he wants to let on, but, um, but he, I think, you know, both of those guys want to be a part of something special and they still do believe that, that it can be here. And, you know, also, you know, when you're 38, do you want to start over again somewhere? Like, do you want to invest in something else when you know that when you still believe in something here? So I think they would both want to come back. It's just a question of whether they can fit, fit into the the, the plans of what Julian Breezeball sees as, you know, the yeah. lightning in 2024, 2023. 15 players, you write 15 players on a contract and there are less than $10 million under the $83.5 million salary cap for next season. That's um, with long-term and, injured reserve too. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, yeah. that's not, that's not a good number. Uh, they need that number to go up somehow, some way. Um, I'll just ask you personally, like, it, do you think this window is still open? In other words, there's a core of guys, if not now, then when, I mean, they must be even, you know, after three years of making it to the Stanley cup final, um, they didn't expect to be necessarily in this position one and done, but that clock must be ticking a little louder in the heads of guys like Stamkos and Hedman and, and such. Um, and yet you mentioned it, they've got the goaltender. Um, can they, can they put this thing back together and make that run and maybe get back to another cup before this, this core is going? Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, the, the one thing that, that was intangible about this team was really the hunger, you know, and yeah, they, they learned so much from that sweep and against Columbus, you know, in, in that president's trophy year. And they really kind of fueled it, like kept fueling and fueling like this energy amongst them, you know, and, you know, whether it was, you know, they, they really galvanized in the bubble and that led to the first cup, you know, mm-hmm. they, they kind of, you know, then they were like, you know, we, we want to do something amazing, which only one other team back has done back. in the salary cap areas back to back. And then mm-hmm. after that, they chased three straight. And so that was the goal there. And this year it was kind of like, you know, we, we've got this group together and we, we've, we don't want to waste the opportunity. And so now combine some of the guys that they might lose and, you know, the carryover of some of the guys they've lost. I, I think they are going to have to kind of have a, a new kind of focus, you know, a new kind of like, what's the drive, you know, and, right. you know, especially knowing that, you know, they, they kind of got a, a little bit of a gut punch, you know, this week, knowing that, like, you can be a really good team and you can pretty much outplay your opponent and still lose. You know, that's mm. not a feeling that they're really used to, you know, since 19, you know, and 
and, and, and no one in 19 would say that they play better than the blue jackets either. You know, like this is a different situation. Right. Right. So, um, so I, I think they're going to have to, I think their recovery is really mental more than anything. You know, there's, I mean, yes, they're older and yes, they're, but I think they're going to have to rebuild a little bit of hunger to them. And, you know, because champions always go away, right? Like eventually yeah. they always go away. You know, we, we talked about, you know, the Blackhawk teams, you know, the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the Penguins have been competitive, but they haven't won in a while after they won back to back. So, you know, and it's a combination of like, you know, there's the parody that the league wants, but also it, it's like, there's just that extra level that this team had when it was winning cups that like, you know, you just never bet against them. And Cooper said that till the end. That was one of his running lines over the course of the series was I never bet against these guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think they're going to have to build that kind of intangible belief in themselves again, um, which is not, not to say they can't, because again, they've got 88, they've got all those guys, they've got the stars. They've, there's no doubt that they have a talented team that can do it. Um, but I think, you know, this, when you have a lot of time to think about it as they will, you know, now for, yeah. you know, a good three, three, four months here to think about, you know, how, how they get back, you know, I think that's really going to be a big challenge for them. But I mean, obviously too, like there's the writing on the wall of, you know, you look at <clears throat> the draft picks they've traded away. You've looked at, uh, you know, maybe the, 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 the death that they've lost, um, you know, but, but at the end of the day too, I mean, like, I know I'm talking a little bit in circles here, but like we came into this year and the big question was where the, how, how their blue line was going to be. You know, they lost Ryan McDonough, huge loss. Right. Uh, they had lost Jan Ruda, pretty big loss, you know, and then a couple of rookies who most people outside who don't follow this organization pretty routinely had never heard of in Nick Perbitz and Darren Radish became hmm. like major contributors that they believe in, you know, that they're going to be a part of this team for, for the foreseeable future. So, right. you know, the lightning kind of get a little bit of knocked on like their farm system and, you know, they don't have prospects. They traded all their draft picks away. You never heard of these guys, but their player development is very underrated. So, but it'll be interesting to see who that next wave is. You know, we're going to probably have to see some forward step up. You know, we're going to have to see, you know, some of these guys that, you know, maybe a lot of people haven't heard of and they're going to get chances, you know? Um, and, and so I think that's also another question is who's, if you don't bring back the Corey Perry's and the Belmars and uh, Ian Coles and, and guys like that, you know, Brian Elliott, you're going to have to figure out, I mean, a big thing, backup goaltender. If we're talking about giving Andre Vasilevsky rest and trusting you a backup goaltender, mm -hmm. who's going to be that, you know, like if it's not Brian Elliott and Brian Elliott doesn't want to come, is, is going to retire or something like that. I mean, you're going to have to basically at this point, you know, there's a there's a goalie in, in in Syracuse named Hugo Anafeld who's been there for a couple of years now and at this point you're kind of like is this guy going to be a contributor or not you've got to find that out eventually so you know it'll be interesting to see what direction they go in with some of this stuff you know like do, do you start leaning on some of these prospects and um, you know try to find and see what you've got you know knowing that maybe there might be some growing pains you know like they were lucky the fact that there weren't very many growing pains with Nick Perbix and Darren Radish you know. But, you know, eventually you're going to hit that and like there's going to be some guys that you need that, you know, you're going to have to figure out how they how they can help you the best and help you win games. So um, but to answer your question, you know, I, I think they're still there. I think that, you know, there's it's such a thin line now. I think we've seen that in this postseason. I mean, the, oh, this, yeah. there's nothing like the playoffs, Rick, you know what I mean? And it's like it's, you know, you and I have covered a lot of sports and, you know, I love how the hockey playoffs. I always have. And it's they're just, the best. They're, they're the best. They're just, it's just amazing because the intensity is there. Anyone can mm -hmm. win games. Like 
like I'm sitting there last night, just, you know, transfixed to my TV, like one and just, you know, it's great. Cause you just get one and then you get the other, you know, you're like, you know, so you're just like, you get all these great games, all these great things, game sevens, you know, it's like, there's nothing like it, man. And so, you know, the, the, but the margin is thin. You know, I mean, we've, we've already seen that, you know, we've seen that in the lightning series and we've seen it in other series, you know, how all it takes is a couple bounces and a little bit of momentum. And all of a sudden, you know, you win a series, you gain momentum and get a good goaltending and uh, you know, all of a sudden you're there. So they know the formula. That's a good thing. And they know how to get there. It's just a matter where they can kind of stir it back up again, you know, to, to get there. Cause it is a long grind. And everybody will be trying to get there. And you look at the Boston Bruins, who had Game 7 at home, scored the most points in NHL history, broke the records, and then they're staying at home because the Florida Panthers had had other ideas. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an incredible playoffs this year. And a lot of the teams that we've seen go deep the last few years are all out uh, yeah. now. So there's, there's definitely going to be a new Stanley Cup champion. Uh, he's Eduardo Encina, and the great thing is, Eduardo, you don't get to be off right away necessarily. There'll be all this stuff you have to cover with the free agency and, the, and not, not much to do with the draft, but um, you too, after three straight Stanley Cup seasons, <laughs> gets to take a breath. So, hey, congratulations on that part anyway. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe you and Andre can figure out how to get healthy for the for the next year. Yeah, I do need a little bit of time to get. It. I need a little bit of rest and rest and recovery too. But um, <laughs> I don't know, man. No maybe, I'll, yeah, maybe if Devin White doesn't show up to OTAs or something like that, I can go out there and and, and help you out. Right, come on out. We need yeah. the help. There's no doubt about that. There's plenty of stories out there, <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll definitely take it where we can get it. Thanks, Eduardo. We'll be reading you the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com as always. Take care, buddy. Anytime, buddy. Cop. I'll talk to you later. Always great to catch up with Ed, the buddy cop, and uh, I think he will maybe enjoy a little bit of time off this offseason, hopefully. Uh, the Rays continue their series game two against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It'll be Shane McClanahan, Sugar Shane, against a really good pitching matchup. Mitch Keller for the Pittsburgh Pirates here in game two. And then we got the Bucks defensive coaches are going to be available to us this morning. We'll have a chance to talk to all of them about the draft picks, what the new scheme will look like, uh, you know, given what Todd Bowles wants to change, some speed on defense, which will certainly help them. And you can submit your mailbag questions. We'll get to some more of those tomorrow as well. You can do that by sending them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud, the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 